this Clothed in Christ sermon series. I'd be interested in your thoughts on it. If you want to share a few of those with me after uh, the service today. Uh, it's been a little bit of a different type of series for us than what we normally uh, do, and we've worked through the summer tracing this pervasive metaphor of clothing uh, from literally Genesis and the earliest chapters of Scripture onto the very last page of Scripture, the verse on the front of your bulletin from Revelation 22 this morning once again points to clothing and white clothing and the importance thereof and the importance of washing it even at the very end of the Bible. Uh, next week, uh, Dave Garner will be preaching for us in the morning and John Curry in the evening. And then the week after that, Carlton Wynn will be preaching for us in the morning. But thus far, over the course of this summer leading up to today, we started this sermon series in the first place by looking at the idea of being clothed by God. And we looked at, in particular, Genesis 1, 2, and 3 as we began that. The next sermon was, Behold, the Bridegroom Cometh. And in that sermon, we looked at how Jesus himself is dressed in his humiliation and in his exaltation. Then we took the title of the series for the third sermon, Clothed in Christ, and we saw how God works that in us by his grace through faith. Fourth was clothed with gladness. Fifth was the transition point in the series, having been clothed, clothe yourselves. So that which God does becomes then a command for us as the people of God to put on. Six, clothe yourselves with humility. Seven, clothe yourselves with the armor of God. Last week, uh, we took the most literal approach to clothing in the Bible. How should we then dress and look specifically as what, is, what does the Bible have to say about actual clothing, not just the metaphor thereof? And we conclude today with clothed with immortality. That's our last theme. I invite you to turn with me, uh, either in your bulletins or your Bibles. I'm going to be reading for us this morning two passages, one from 1 Corinthians 5 and the second from second, uh, sorry, 1 Corinthians 15, and the second from 2 Corinthians 5. They're actually just a few pages away from one another if you want to be flipping uh, in your Bible. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God endures forever. So here are these portions of the Word of God. I'll begin with verse 49 of chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. 
when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Now flip over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 1 through 7. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling, if indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Let's pray. Lord, give us then eyes of faith today. Help us to peek through the glimpses of your word, through the portals and into eternity to see what awaits. We do not seek to do that for curiosity's sake. We, don't, we do not need to know the specifics, but we need to know and we need to hear and we need to be encouraged about that which is to come. And so we pray that you would help us, that you would guide us, that you would shape our thoughts, our imaginations, our understanding of your word. Do that work through the power of your spirit, working through this word we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. The grass withers and the flowers fade and clothing wears out. Your favorite clothes. Do you remember those as a kid? Do you remember the favorite clothes that you had, the favorite t-shirt that you had, the favorite sweatshirt that you had? The one that you would look so forward to purchasing at the store or getting somehow and you wore it all the time. Your favorite clothes, the ones so carefully chosen, the ones that you have loved so much. They will get spotted, they will get wrinkled, and they will eventually wear out and you will throw them away. You will put them in the garbage or you'll send them off somewhere and they will be no more. A couple of weeks ago, maybe a month or so ago, I wore this suit for the very first time. First time I thought, nice suit, summer suit. Now that we have air conditioning, maybe I'll have to wear a suit actually in the summer, so I should get summer suits. And uh, I, I did not make it through that door without a grease spot coming on the pants. 
And I thought, that's amazing. I, I mean, I, I couldn't get through the door. I don't know how I got it. I have no idea how it came there. And of course, take it to the cleaners and the cleaner works on it. And you know what it turns out? The, the, the cleaner can't get the stain, the spot out of the pants. She says, if we go any further on these pants, it's either going to change the coloring. I mean, you know this, right? You've done this. It's either going to change the coloring or you're going to get threadbare in that particular spot. And so the brand new clothes don't make it through the threshold of the church before they have got a spot on them. Our clothes are perishable. Our clothes are mortal. And, and so are our bodies. It happens to the body as well. If our clothing and if our bodies will not stand up, will not hold up to the rigors of this world and this life, how, how will they last for eternity? If you're familiar with Lewis, Lewis imagines the world to come as heavier, as weightier, as more real, more earthy than this world. And the bodies that we have at present cannot endure it. They can't endure this world, let alone the weight and glory of eternity. So we begin today with this idea, with this focus. We begin today with both the adequacy and the inadequacy of present clothing. The adequacy and inadequacy of present clothing. In 1 Corinthians 15 and 2 Corinthians 5, Paul is reflecting on the coming bodily resurrection for the people of God, the resurrection of the dead. Now, for many in Paul's day, the body, especially in Greek and Roman thought, was a necessary evil in this world. And true freedom, true liberation would be found not as we are trapped inside of this body, but would in fact be found as, as we left this body, as we were set free from the confines of this mortal frame. The Bible never speaks that way about the body. Indeed, the Bible affirms that our bodies, as much as any other part of us, our bodies are fallen. They are subject to decay. They are harbingers of and enactors of our sinful desires. Our bodies are all of that, but they are not, therefore, inherently evil. In fact, quite the opposite. The bodies, as they are designed by God, as we are designed by God as a body-soul being, the body is good. And Paul is saying to the Corinthians, the body matters and your body will be redeemed. There's a bodily resurrection of the dead. And to bring this into focus for them, Paul employs a variety of metaphors that run throughout these two texts, especially in that second Corinthians text. Not the least of which, though, and perhaps the most central metaphor in both of these passages is the metaphor of clothing to help us understand the bodily resurrection which God has for us. The body is, by analogy, our clothing. 
as naked wasn't intended to be the finished state in the garden. So Paul says this present body constituted the way it is, made up of the stuff that it is, of this flesh and blood, this perishability, this body is not our intended final state. And, just to be clear, neither is disembodiment. Okay? This body isn't intended for the final state, nor disembodiment, nor getting rid of this body and setting the soul free. When we began this series, we saw how the expectation in Genesis for Adam and Eve would not have been that they remained forever naked. We know that they were naked and not ashamed at the end of chapter 2, but that begs something else. It begs investiture. It begs them being clothed by God, being honored by God with clothing had they obeyed God. Had they obeyed Him, they would have been invested with bodies of glory, imperishable, and clothing to match. Had they obeyed, that's what would have been given to them, imperishable bodies and clothing to match. And if you're wondering, how can you be sure of the eternal purpose of Adam and Eve? You're sure by looking at the end of the story. You're sure by looking at 1 Corinthians 15 and 2 Corinthians 5. That's the intention of God for humanity. Not that we would be clothed with perishability, but that we would be clothed with that which is imperishable, that which does not fade, which does not get ruined. As it was, their bodies became subject to death, and they were invested with clothing reminding them of that. That's the kind of clothing they had, clothing that reminded them death is coming. Your clothing will wear out. Your body will wear out. That is the result of sin. That's the result of the fall in this world. But they do get clothing from God. The clothing that they receive from God is at once adequate and inadequate. That's what Paul's reflecting on in these passages. We have an earthly tent, an earthly building, earthly clothes. And in this tent or in this building or in these clothes, he's mixing the metaphors all together, we can adequately do what God has set for us to do. We can, in this body, with these clothes, worship. We can work. We can love. We can create in these bodies. We can garden in these bodies. We can build in these bodies. We can eat in these bodies. We can see in these bodies. We can do good with these hands that God has given us to, go, to, to do good with. We can go where God would have us to go. We can proclaim the gospel. The body and the clothes that we have right now is adequate, but it is transient. Verse 18, that's not in your uh, bulletins, but verse 18, chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians says this, 
For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Transient, passing through, not permanent. The things that are seen are transient. What you're looking at right now, the clothes that we're all wearing, the bodies that we have, the things that can be seen are transient. In 1 Corinthians 15, that means that this body and these clothes clearly won't hold up for eternity. They wear out. They wear out, and that's presently evident that they wear out. And it is even more evident the older you get. When we were young, or when you are young, it is hard to imagine the decay that will take place. There's a reason that older people talk about their aches and pains. And the reason is they have aches and pains, and it's hard not to talk about them. And there's a reason why younger people laugh at older people talking about their aches and pains, and it's because they can't imagine it. You can't yet imagine it. Transient in 2 Corinthians 5 is revealed in the simple fact, I don't know if you heard it as I read it, that we groan. We groan under affliction in this world. We groan in these bodies. We groan in these clothes. Paul calls the body in chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians jar of clay, mortal flesh. And he says the outer self is wasting away. Our present bodies, like our clothes, are adequate. Adequate for the task that God has set before us in this world, and they are inadequate. They all wear out. We long and we groan for investiture, for something more, to be clothed in something other than the impermanence, which is all around us. And into that groan, Paul then gives the promise and evidence of future clothing. So the, the clothing that we have now, it's adequate and inadequate. And then Paul speaks to it and says, hear the promise and, and receive the evidence of the future clothing that is to be yours. Hear the promise again dear brothers and sisters, in 51 and 52 of chapter 15, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. Changed can mean a lot of things, right? You can apply the word changed to almost anything, but there's something in particular that you can change. You can change your clothes. And that's what Paul is working through this metaphor. We shall be changed is to say we're going to get a new set of clothing on that day instead of the clothing that we have right now. Our clothing will be changed literally and representatively of our bodies. 
They will become new. We will be clothed differently. Verse 53 continues the idea as we've seen it. Just make sure you hear the language correctly as we've seen it in the rest of Scripture. For this perishable body must put on, right? Must put on the imperishable. And the mortal must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying, which is then quoted. Put on. This is the language of investiture. It's the original intention of God that humanity should be so clothed bodily and literally, crowned with glory and honor. And the exact same idea, the same language is used in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 in verse 4. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be still further clothed so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Clothing of life, clothing of life, is going to be put around this current mortal frame. And we will be imperishable. This promise of future clothing that is beautiful in every way, and it is likewise functional in every way. It is a promise that is as bright as light, and it is as white as purity and holiness. That's the promise of that which will be put upon us. My fellow groaners, we may not look great now. We may not feel great now. But we will be presented as the glorious bride without blemish or without spot or without wrinkle because Jesus himself and the Holy Spirit whom he has sent are preparing us to present him to himself on that day without any of those things. And when you say blemish or spot or wrinkle, you can think about that with respect to your clothing and you can think about it with respect to your body. No blemishes, no spots, no wrinkles in that day when we're presented to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Last year, around this time, it was a fun time of the year for the Huber family. Uh, we got to delight in the preparation for Nate and Janae's wedding. And I had the privilege of going to one of the fittings for Janae. I wanted to go shopping. They would not allow me to go shopping. I did everything I could to go shopping. I wasn't allowed, but I at least got to one of the fittings. And Janae, I don't mean to embarrass you, but. She was glorious. She was beautiful. She was perfect, without blemish, without spot. Young, perfect, beautiful. The dress is fantastic. It's fabulous in every way. And I was appropriate. I oohed and odd the way I was supposed to. I said, it's amazing. And she was, so it was easy. Lauren and I, perhaps like many of you, preserved her gown for many years, if for no other reason than you don't know what to do with your wedding gown. 
Uh, it seems like you can't throw the thing away. It seems like, who knows, somebody may want to wear it at some point in time. I spent a lot of money. I spent a lot of effort. I looked really good, and so we stored it. And I think for a while it was in a box, and somehow it transferred into closets. And even in the years that we were overseas, we didn't take it to Ukraine with us, but I think her parents stored it in a closet, and her father would periodically ask, why am I storing this wedding dress? And we'd say, just don't throw it out. We didn't have an answer to it. So a couple of years ago, she put it on. And it had been, whatever, I don't know, 30-some 30, 30 years since she had put it on. And you know what? It was stained. And it was spotted. And it was torn in places. And you know what we did with it after 30 years? We threw it out. We threw it out. Now, we cut off a little piece in case we sew it into some dress. Did it get sewn into Janae's? No? Okay, maybe, maybe Danny's. Um, but that's the best. And Janae, at some point, you're going to throw out that dress. I'm sorry. I'm sure it's nicely preserved right now. But at some point, as great as it is, you're going to look back on it and go, I'm not sure about that style. Um, and I'm not sure about it. And it doesn't hold up because it's perishable. It's perishable. But there's a promise there. There's a promise there. It's not a wish dream. It's not a wish dream that Scripture is giving to us. And Paul says, listen, I don't want you to think of this as just some pie-in-the-sky dream, some heaven-in-the-clouds kind of dream about the future and everybody in white and everybody looking great. I want you to understand that this is evidenced for you. I'm providing you with the evidence that this is going to happen, that this is tangible, that this is real, that we're not talking in metaphors anymore. And so he provides us with two Evidences for the reality of this investiture, which is going to be ours. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 49, and then 57. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. 57, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The victorious resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is the evidence that Paul says, look, he has bodily risen from the grave. You, being in union with him, you will be so risen as well. He became the life-giving spirit. A man, a man of flesh and blood became the life-giving spirit. And he has secured his and our resurrection. We shall also bear the image of the man from heaven. Bear the image. We think of that in a lot of different ways, but listen, bear. You know what bear can also mean? Where? Where? We can also wear. We will wear the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. You want to put it together? What shall the king delight to do, or what shall the king do to honor the person in whom he delights? What shall the king do, Haman? Tell us, instruct us in what kings do to honor those whom they love. Well, well, dress him in the robes that the king has worn. Bingo, Yahtzee, Nertz, you've got it. That's it. That's the clothing that will be given to us in that day. It is the clothing that Jesus has worn, taken and put upon us, clothed in Christ. 
the evidence. Jesus is resurrected. The grave clothes, we looked at this back earlier in the study. The grave clothes, do you know where they ended up? Still in the grave. Because Jesus doesn't wear grave clothes anymore. Those aren't the clothes of his exaltation. Those are back in the grave. Remember? Remember? Peter and John go in and they see the clothes there. They see the face cloth folded up in a different place from where the clothes are folded up. Jesus wears the clothing of exaltation. We shall wear his clothes. Salvation, righteousness, gladness, light draped upon us. The evidence, Corinthians, is that Jesus rose from the grave. Secondly, 2 Corinthians 5, 5, the evidence is he who has prepared us for this very thing is God who has given us his spirit as a guarantee. The second piece of evidence for you that you will be bodily raised from the dead is you have the spirit of God. The spirit of God has been given to us as a guarantee if we want to put it in the words of Jesus. You've been clothed with power from on high. You've been clothed with the Spirit of God now in this world. And He is a down payment. He's a pledge. He's the surety of that which is to come. And so we are, at the present, both adequately and inadequately clothed. We have a promise and evidence of being clothed immortal in the days to come. So what do you do in the meantime? How do you live in the meantime with the clothes that you have on right now, with the body that you have right now? This passage gives us three base answers to the question, what do you do now? What do you do with that body and with those clothes? What do you do now? The first answer is this. Groan forward. Groan forward. Groan forward. We all groan, right? Everybody groans. Young, old, Christian, non-Christian, doesn't make any difference. Everybody Groan. Some groan longing for the good old days. Some groan and say, I remember the days when after a day of work I didn't groan. Some groan and they hope for some kind of temporary relief to the groan. And some people just groan hopelessly. They grumble and they complain and they groan. Christians need to learn to groan forward, to groan into it. Verse 2 of chapter 5, for in this tent we groan, longing to put on the heavenly dwelling. You see, groaning ends with the resurrection of our bodies and the clothes that we receive in that great day, in the beauty of the city of God. Groaning, groaning doesn't end with some kind of corrective surgery to a problem. Groaning doesn't end with Percocet. Groaning doesn't end with wine. 
Paul says, guide your groaning forward. Turn your groaning into a reminder to long for what is to come. And, and so don't be thinking back at the past when you're groaning. Think groan towards the future because what awaits you is clothing and a body in which there will be no groaning. Second, in the meantime, exercise the fight of faith, the shield of faith. Take it with you. Be, as Paul writes here, be steadfast and immovable. Or as he writes in 2 Corinthians 5, be of good courage. Your body, your clothes, the circumstances in which you find yourself, all of those may scream out and say to you, listen, your outer self is wasting away. This is vanity. No matter how well you eat, no matter what vitamins you take, no matter what waters you drink or bathe in, you are wasting away. This is vanity. It doesn't make any difference what you do. There's no escape. That's what the evil one will say to you. Listen, this is it. All of your efforts, who cares? Five more years, ten more years, whatever. You're going to decay and die in the end. It's all vanity. Or not. 2 Corinthians 5-7 makes the most basic and simple of statements for Christians. We walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith, and therefore, as the people of God, in the face of decay, in the face of circumstances, in the face of things that perish, our labor's not in vain. It's not vanity. Guard the faith. Preserve the faith. Rehearse the promises. Third and last, what do you do? Grown forward, exercise the faith. Third, abound in the work of the Lord. Be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Or now let me take it back to chapter 5, if you have your Bibles open. Chapter 5 continues, verse 9. So whether we're at home or away, we make it our aim to please Him. What's your aim in this life? What's your aim with this body? to please Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. God has given us these bodies and called us with these bodies to work, to work heartily, to seek to serve the Lord, to seek to please the Lord. Yes, you are in a decaying body. Yes, your clothes will wear out. But the application of that isn't to sit back and to say, well, I better preserve myself, I better protect myself, nor is the application like the guy who's scheduled for bypass surgery saying the week before, well, I'm going to eat all the fatty foods I can here the week before because I'm getting cleaned down in a in a week or so. That's not the application that Paul has for us here in light of the fact that the bodies are decaying. He doesn't say, well, it's all vanity. Instead, the application is to lose your life 
in service to the king. It is to lose ourselves to get the clothes dirty in service to our God. The clothing of immortality, the promise of the clothing of immortality, has broken in to this world. And we're allowed to start living well in anticipation of it. Last week we sang, When my spirit clothed eternal wings its flight to realms of day, this my song through endless ages, Jesus led me all the way, clothed immortal. Let's end the series as a whole with simply hearing the words of Jesus once again from Revelation 16, 15. Keep your garments on. From Luke 12, 35. Stay dressed for action. From Revelation chapter 3. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen. Jesus has garments for us. I hope that after this summer, we are aware of the fact that we have a closet full of beautiful clothes that we're called to put on by faith. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make no provision for the flesh. Lord Jesus, we would be clothed in you. We'd find our hope in you. Strip us of our pretenses, of our falsehood, of our uncleanness, of the filthy rags in which we are naturally clothed. And cover us. Wash us and cover us. And help us to live for you and to put on all the things that we're called to put on. In your name, amen.